0: this is on the radar coming at you with episode number 68 it is always talk about local and national sports and pop culture last week it was jam-packed with so many things and somebody who has the worst handwriting in the opinion of every teacher i ever had especially when it came to math class and hebrew class they could understand what it was because for other classes like english or history or whatnot or even science paper i could type it up so i'm out here writing my notes and i completely forgot to mention that Colin Coward had a H.E.R.D. podcast, uh, launching a new podcast network for the H.E.R.D. Akeem Talib is going to be one of the people on there. That's going to be interesting. He's following how Dan Levitard had his own podcast network when he was at ESPN with Sarah Spain, Mina Kimes, and, you know, Marty. So, it's like, yeah, he's got a bunch of people. So, now, in this thing, Colin's trying to compete at Fox Sports by having a network. Now, I also got to mention that Dennis Smith Jr., because the Knicks under Tom Thibodeau, were not playing him as much at point guard, that he feels like he's not going to get anything out of just sitting on the bench and doing nothing for a team that potentially could be a playoff team but probably won't be. So he asked if he can go to the G League bubble, and he's got his permission. So just remember that, that he was asked to be sent to the G League so he can get minutes, so that if a team wants to pick him up, they can pick him up, because there will be something about him later on in the podcast. Now the other news was the Mets hired a new GM, just one of their uh, people from within, and because we all know what happened when they with the original one, what happened. So they Zach Scott is now the acting one. So Mets now have official GM. The uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to be the cover of MLB The Show for this upcoming 2021 season, and you can get an alternate version of Jackie Robinson as well. And speaking of football, of uh, video games, NCAA college football game for EA Sports. Announced that it's coming back, and there's all the issues of how you're going to play the players' money if you don't pay them and stuff, that will be interesting to see how that works. And um, Ian Eagle signed an extension with CBS because they're not sure if Jim Nance is going to stay at e- CBS or try to go over to ESPN, so Ian Eagle staying with them, so that's good for them to keep him there. And um, Carmelo Anthony in the past week passed Dominic Wilkins for most points, scored all time. And the big thing that I forgot to mention was two number one overall picks. We're not going to talk about the money involved in the trade, the draft picks. What we are going to mention is Matthew Stafford, the number one overall pick years ago from the Lions, who battled injuries because there was no good offensive line, missed games, and you saw how bad they were without him. No weapons, no defense, horrible coaches. The whole entire organization is dysfunctional in Detroit. They're They're not a winning franchise. His wife battled health issues while being there. He requested that, he, you know what, I saw Deshaun Watson, he was only in the league for less than like six years, One, I want to get out of here, so he goes, wow, I was quiet all these years, I should have demanded a trade, so they said, fine, we'll trade you, because with the new coach, he's like, yeah, I'm not signing up for that, he um, got traded to the Rams, and the Rams decided, you know what, Jared Goff, I don't know why we paid him all this money for this extension, we should have let his contract run up, so they said, we'll take the advantage of having a top 10 quarterback in Matthew Stafford, who This time, hopefully, he'll get a better offensive line for him. The Rams had number one defense last year. They got a good amount of skill players to help them because the Lions wasted the primes of Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson, and Matthew Stafford, the three best players in their franchise, and not going anywhere. So basically, Goff was traded straight off for Stafford, and the the Lions will view it as, you know what? Jared Goff will keep us competitive because as of right now, is Kirk Cousins better than Jared Goff? I'm not sure. The Bears don't know who their quarterback, and we know Aaron Rodgers is going to eventually retire at some point in the next three years. So Jared Goff under contract for the next couple of years. The Lions could not waste any of their draft picks on a quarterback. They could use it to fix their offensive line, fix up their horrible defense, get themselves some skilled players. They could do that. And by doing that, they'll eventually be good at some point during the six years they signed their new head coach. But hopefully with Stafford, with all the stuff that the Rams have and John and, and McVay thinking he's a genius, that may help out the Rams be the best team in their division and may even get them to the Super Bowl again because of a much better quarterback. So that was uh, that's something that is that was interesting. I did not get to. Now WNBA, Daniel Robinson resigned with her team. Erica Wheeler went to LA Sparks. Tina Charles went to DC, and that she's all-time great. And Candice Dupree, a former, you know, Chicago Sky local player here, was one of the best players in the league. She's done pretty much everything. Only she hasn't done is won a championship. He just joined the Seattle Storm, one of my favorite teams. So that's going to be good for them. And last week was National Women in Sports Day, and they're honored to Simon DeShields, the daughter of Delano DeShield, Lauren Chamberlain, Jess, Jess Adele, Joe Adele's sister, and Rachel Balkovec. So it's good to honor them. And now, unfortunately, got to give you some bad news. It was reported last week that Marty Schadenheimer, the former head coach, was going to have, you know, not being the public line, like How they announced with Tom Seaver, he had Alzheimer's, but he just passed away at age 77. He he's a former football player as a linebacker. He played both in the NFL and the AFL for the Bills and the Patriots. He worked his way up as a linebackers coach, a defensive coordinator with the Giants, and then the then the Lions and the Browns, and then he was the Browns head coach in the 80s. Then he became the Chiefs head coach, and that for a long time in the 90s. Then he was Washington's head coach. And then people don't remember this, he was the, the the head coach of the San Diego Chargers, you know, Philip Rivers and all these other teams and he even coached the UFL. He's in the Chiefs Hall of Fame. He won a championship in the UFL, which was impressive. He won coach of the year multiple times. You know, he was a you know a championship winner in the AFL and was an all star and he's in the Hall of Fame as one of the and he's one of those guys who should be in the Football Hall of Fame because he's one of the greatest coaches because He's the only other call to at least 200 regular season wins who have not been ducked in the Hall of Fame, I think. Unfortunately, there would be another player getting voted in the Hall of Fame post possibly, like, you know, so it's just the idea that he's not in the Hall of Fame and he passed away. Now, interesting news, before the Super Bowl, the Chiefs were getting haircuts. I'm like, I don't know why I need haircuts, but the barber tested positive in the middle of giving haircuts to two players. So the second player only got half a haircut. He and the other one had to be placed in the COVID list. I know that's, you know, something silly and we just meant to Marty Shot and I were passing, but I just thought, you know, that's interesting decision. Now, rest in peace to the drummer of uh, one of the drummers of Shadow Knights, John Robert. Rest in peace to Ricky Powell. He was he was fifty nine and they always consider him the fourth member of the BC boys, the photos and stuff, and pretty young age to pass away. And um, that is just, you know, sad to hear. You know, there's not that many people associated with the Beastie Boys that may be around anymore. That's sad. Team USA has announced they're going to have a bubble. That's if the Olympics happen, so that's going to be interesting. Bradley Beal passed Michael Jordan to have score like 28 points consecutively in 17 games to start the season. This man needs help. LaMelo Ball donates uh, 500 blankets to charity. NBA has announced they're going to have the All-Star game in Atlanta on March 7th to make it easier on all the Turner people. What about the players? You know... They, yes, they had time off last year before the bubble, but the season only ended, and then the season started only a couple of weeks later, you're not going to give them just time off. You're expecting them to do an all-star game and all the other things. And that's just with football and with baseball, which didn't happen where they had things after the season. Just do an NBA all-star game, because it is a glorified exhibition game, at the end of the season. Do a three-point shootout at the end of the season. Do a slam dunk contest. Play a rookie-sophomore game. Just do something all at the end of the season. You don't have to do it now. Jalen Hurts donated 330 k to a family with a child with cancer that's, you know, good to help out the community. Anthony Edwards did something really, really amazing. He, he told an athlete boy who lost his family fire and never give up that he said he's going to be here. He Somebody he said he's going to, he says he talks to him all the time and that he's going to be there for him. So that's a very nice thing to have an opportunity to talk to him and just be there for him. So the fact that he, he, cause Edwards himself, who was from Atlanta was eighth grade when his when his mother and his grandmother died within eight months of each other. So he, will you know, he knows how it is, and he's you know reaching out to this kid. So that's a very nice story to hear, Anthony Edwards doing that. And, and um. The the son of Andy Reid got into a car accident with a five year old in terms of multiple car. The child's in critical has been in critical condition. His son didn't get the coach in the Super Bowl because, you know, of the uh, because of the you know, the car accident. So hopefully everybody involved is getting better. Alexander Ovechkin has now seven hundred nine plus goals to move to like seventh all time. Barry Trotz his former coach has an eight hundred fifty wins moving to third all time in a win. Teams Trotz is just a good coach no matter where he goes and it's just silly that teams fired someone like him. And um the NBA players were ordered to stay at home during the Super Bowl weekend and not go out and watch it. That's very interesting. The Mavericks announced they're going to retire Kobe Bryant's number 24. I guess that's what they want to do, but he played—he had two numbers—and he's not the type of player where I'm saying as much as I like him that oh yeah, let's make it where he has his number completely retired throughout the whole league. Recipes to Chris Wieling, an NFL.com writer and podcaster, he passed away of cancer. That's just sad to hear. Rogers announced that he's engaged to Shannon Woodley. Man, this man's lucky. Date Olivia Munn for a bit. Dated Danica Patrick for a bit. Now, Shannon Woodley, who's like my age, and Rodgers close to 40, but that's another story. The NHL had to reschedule 27 games due to COVID. That's not good. Noel Vonnelly signed a deal with the Nets. And uh, unfortunately, for the Bulls, Laurie Martin's is going to be out with an injury to his shoulder. And Chad Hutchinson is going to be out due to personal reasons. Rest in peace to Billy Brown, 68. He's in the show, Alaskan Bush. You know, uh, the show that was on there, and um, there's a rapper, you know, named Salento who's famous for the Whip and Nene. He's been arrested for murder and kidnapping charges of his cousin. That is just weird and interesting there. And um, the NFL stadiums, as, jo- as uh, Joe Biden, and his new president, announced, will be used as vaccination places, which is a very good idea. Big places might as well use it. Rest in peace to Mary Wilson, 76. It was her, Diana Ross, one member, and that member then was replaced by another one, and she was still touring as the quote-unquote Supreme or just as herself throughout the year. She announced recently she was coming out with new music, so it's sad to see a legendary musician, you know, the original girl group pass away. Rest in peace to her. And um the um, sad, also sad news, we lost Christopher Plummer and Leon Spint. Christopher Plummer, everybody knows him from being in Sound of Music when he was, you know, Very young man, he passed away at 91 years old. You know, people know him that he was in Othello, and that he was in Macbeth, and he's in all these big-time films as well. And he um, was in The Man Who Would Be King. He was in The Last Station. He was in Spike Lee's Malcolm X movie, Ron Howard's A Beautiful Mind. He was in The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I just saw him in the movie Knife's Out, which was very, very good. He's won Academy Awards, Emmy Awards, Tony Awards, Golden Globes, Screen Actor Guilds, and the British Academy Award, Triple Crown of Acting, the Academy for Best Supporting Actor. And he also person to win an Acting Award and receive a nomination for All the Money in the World. The world will miss him, but passing away at 91 means he got to live himself and actually a full life. like some of the people who have recently passed away that I mentioned, boxer Leon Spinks passed away at um, 67. He's famous for beating Muhammad Ali in a fight before. And everybody says he was a very good fighter in general as a boxer. So rest in peace to Leon Spinks. And um, so the Super Bowl happened. But before the Super Bowl happened, they announced all the awards. Now, say uh, Aaron Donald won Defensive Player of the Year, and Washington's Chase Young won Defensive Rookie of the Year. I went with Watt because I felt like go a different direction. Aaron Donald, we obviously know how good he is, but Watt put up a good season too. Watt. So I kind of went the other way, but I was correct in Derrick Henry winning Offensive Player of the Year and Justin Herbert winning the Offensive Rookie of the Year. So those were obvious because that's when Joe Burrow went down with the injury. Um, they gave the uh, Comeback Player of the Year Alex Smith, obviously it should be him. They gave the obviously the MVP to Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, and um, and that's when he announced that he, you know, was. Uh, Engage, they gave given kevin stefanski coach of the year i would have given it to ron rivera some other people they gave the deacon jones award to tj watt though they gave assistant coach of the year to brian dable they gave the art rooney sportsman to teddy bridgewater they gave russell wilson the award for walter payton man of the year and they gave the fantasy breakout player of the year to josh allen pretty much i got pretty much all of those in the way of me picking on them and stuff and then they announced the hall of fame and it was obviously that we all know that Peyton Manning was going to get in. Congratulations to him. That Calvin Johnson, who I mentioned earlier, is one of the greatest receivers ever, wasted his career in Detroit. He got in. Charles Woodson, one of the greatest defensive backs, got in. Now, offensive lineman, Alan Fanka, it's really hard to to rate offensive linemen. So that's interesting. They gave it to head coach Tom Floor. They gave it to scout Bill Nunn, wide receiver Drew Pearson, and to John Lynch the safety, who was pretty darn good as a safety, and now he's the, been the GM of the 49ers. So those guys... We're announcing the Hall, announced the Hall of Fame. Congratulations to them. And um, I'm just going to tell you this. When I watched the Super Bowl, the Falcons blew it to the Patriots. And the Patriots lost to the Eagles in a high-scoring affair. And that really low-scoring affair where the Biliceks defense figured out their high power Rams offense. Those games were close. It was down to the wire. Last year, the 49ers had the lead and the Chiefs came back as they did all postseason. And I was like, okay, cool. We got... One of the we got the greatest quarterback everybody says in Tom Brady and his skilled players and a good defense. They got here, they all went they all the team went all in on what they did and the and then the Chiefs were the best team in the AFC for most of the season and they got Mahomes who could be the greatest of all time. They got a good defense. They got all these skilled players and weapons too. But what happened was the Chiefs missed. Three to four offensive linemen in, throughout the, the rest of the season. Like, got injured during the season and then towards the end of the playoff. And they were left with not great offensive linemen and missing two tackles in particular. So, Patrick Holmes had zero time to throw the ball. Tyreek Hill, they triple covered because he went off against them earlier. Kelsey was open, but not as much. And without, you know, Robinson, they, Hardman became the, the number three receiver. Watkins really didn't do that much. The run game wasn't as effective with a layer. I don't know how LaShawn McCoy got, like, zero snaps. They could have done some screen passes. But either way, Mahomes had no time to throw the ball, and he threw two interceptions. The Chiefs' defense was doing their best they could to stop the Buccaneers, but it wasn't enough. And because of all the penalties, which is, like, made the game boring because every second there's a penalty, and New England can go in there and throw three touchdown passes from Tom Brady. He threw two to Gronk and one to Antonio Brown. And Leonard Fournette got a rushing touchdown. So it's all the guys that the, you know, the Buccaneers brought in as they went all in on everything. So I'm just like, as much as I'm not a huge fan of Tom Brady, I just wanted a good game back and forth. Like, when he beat the Rams, I was like, okay, fine. When they beat the Seahawks, okay, fine. When they they beat the Falcons, fine. So the game was just not that exciting because it was so boring. Not a lot of, all the flags and penalties and the Chiefs just not being able to do anything. It wasn't that great. There weren't that many commercials that made me go ooh and ah. I would probably, if you really want to, go back and look at all the commercials and make my opinion. And one thing I do want to say about the halftime show. If people are not paying attention, the weekend when it came out the album, the album was... You listen to it, you watch the music video. All the interviews, the whole bandages and bleeding and the bandages on his face and making his face look weird. Taking fun of Hollywood on the plastic surgery. And the funhouse mirrors and the people on the field with like bandages on their face and wearing the same outfit. is because. He said, on the album, he was battling drug and alcohol and issue with girls, and he felt lonely, and he did a lot of that stuff. Bad relationships with both his girlfriends, and then back with the first one, going to L.A., Go the bright lights of L.A., Vegas. If you see the videos, he's partying, and he's tripping out on a bunch of different drugs, so he's seeing, like, things he doesn't see. So, like, the mirror is him also looking like, oh, like, he's seeing, like, different versions of himself and then his own, batting his own demons, and the, his own personal demons are himself sometimes, so that's why all the people dressed up exactly like him, and you gotta give him credit, he was doing this, like, in the car, and he gets out of the car, he's cool, he, in the stands, there's a choir, there's all this light show stuff, and he's due out the stands. Yes, he ended on the field in the end for the finale, but most halftime shows, they're on the stage, and that's it. He, for COVID reasons, they couldn't be on the stage, I guess, the whole entire time. They had to be in the stands, so you got to give him credit for trying to pivot and figure out how to do it. And he did pretty much everything from the, his beginning times through through recently, so he pretty much covered everything. So in my opinion, it was a very good halftime show, and it was very enjoyingful. Now, in the baseball world, we lost three people in the last week. We lost Wayne Turlinger, who passed away at 95. He played for the Cubs, Dodgers, Senators, at A's, and what people also remember him is that... He also coached a very long time with the Washington team, and working with Ted Williams, and the and then he worked the Ash, then he would manage the Astros minor league system. He worked on Don Zimmer's staff, Daryl Johnson, Doug Rader, Bobby Valentine would also coach on that staff. He was on the Twins staff in the 80s, and he would uh he helped Tom Kelly when he was a manager in the 80s. So it was like he spent a long time in baseball. So rest in peace to Wake Turlinger. Grant Jackson, the former pitcher who was an all-star, he had 79 career wins, and he pitched for the Phillies, Orioles, Yankees, Pirates, Expos, and Royals. He passed away the other week at 78, so rest in peace to him. And after his career, he worked as a coach for the Pirates in Reds. And then really emotionally, we also lost a few other people. We lost Therese, you know, Th- uh, Therese you know, Baylor of Yahoo, Fantasy, Yahoo Sports, and he worked for Kansas City as well. And uh, he passed away. He was only and he was only thirty seven years old. The young journal was, you know, that was covering football. Yeah, so rest in peace to him. And then we also lost Pedro Gomez, who was just posting on social media on Sunday morning, and after the Super Bowl, Adam Schefter was one of the first people to report that we lost him to to, he passed away unexpectedly, and people don't remember this. He son of Cuban immigrants. He wrote for many newspapers from Miami to San Diego, San Jose, Sacramento, all that stuff. And he wrote stuff about the A's when they had the, the the Bash Brothers and all that stuff and then eventually became a national reporter for ESPN. He covered Barry Bonds, he covered so many World Series, playoffs, All-Star games. He was always on the Studio Show Baseball Tonight, Sports Center feature. And like when I was growing up, it was him, Tim Kirchner, Buster Olney, Jason Stark, sometimes Howard Bryant, and and Peter Gaiman doing all the covering thing. And he covered 25 World Series and 22 All Star games, and he had a Hall of Fame vote. And I always remember this. He everybody he was so nice to everybody. He wasn't out there to villainize people or get people upset or be write horrible, you know, exposés about people. And he also made Hispanic players comfortable that say, hey, Spanish is your first language, but English is your not. And if you have a hard time speaking, it's okay. Instead of having a translator clean up what it is, it'll get your real emotion out there. So he'd interview in them in Spanish and then translate it for everybody in English. And you couldn't tell if Spanish was the first language or English. He was so good at that and making the players feel comfortable and other journalists. And it's just sad to lose this guy at 58 because of most of my childhood watching ESPN and reading his stuff and listening to him on all the TV stuff. It's just sad to have seen him pass away. And. Yeah, it's just another person passing away during this COVID pandemic type of year as well. Um, getting back to the regular news, the uh, Jeremy Macklin has now been announced. He's going to be head coach of the of his the high school team. And happy trails to Crystal Langhorn. Crystal Langhorn, longtime WNBA player, has retired to join the front office of the Seattle Storm. And well, the thing about her is that when somebody retires at 34 you're like okay that's pretty soon but she won a championship with the storm she won a championship with the, she's won two championships with the storm in 2018 and 2020 and she was on the mystics for all most of her career she won most improved player she was an all wnba second team and she also won a championship in college and was player of the year and she won gold medal as well so it's like she very well decorated a basketball player good luck to her in her next venture. And um, and then in football news, everybody know that Mahomes was playing with a toe injury, so he had surgery to fix the issue on his toe because there was, like, a torn muscle down in there. So hopefully he gets able to rest up for the for um, for the and for the next season as well. Now, baseball news, Wilson Ramos went to the Tigers. That's interesting. And uh, the Dimeback signed Joaquin Soria. Colton Wong went to the Brewers, which is interesting because they're going to move people around. Uh, King Felix went to the O's. The White Sox pick up Jonathan Lucor in a minor league deal, which is good for the Sox to have a good veteran in case you needed a backup. Angels traded for Dexter Fowler, which I don't get it because they have a set outfield, but that's another story. Abanias, Joe Martinez, Rajai Davis, and Bo Porter are joining Mike Hill, as I mentioned last week, to help Major League Baseball improve things. Marcelo Zuna has gone back to the Braves because he feels like eh, there isn't really that guaranteed a DH and the American League teams are not trying to get him. Jonathan Scopri signed with the Tigers so they can continue to have a competent second baseman as well. And Twins signed Alex Colome from the White Sox so they're just going to get him on a one-year deal. They needed a closer. Reds get Doolittle because they needed a closer. Padres extended their GM Preller because they felt like, hey, we got success. We might as well keep him. Trevor Bauer decided, I'm going to go to the Dodgers just won the World Series and have David Price, Walker Buehler, Clayton Kershaw I'm just like, come on, like, what are you doing that's so, you know, unfair? But the guy who always said he wanted to do one-year deals decided to lie about it. Otani avoided arbitration. That's good for them. Nelson Cruz didn't have that big of a market at his age, because at some point, he's just going to lose it. So, and I know I'm not saying he's taking anything now, but he is somebody who took it in the past. You're not even sure. Blue just brought back Lariano, He's going to be trying to compete for a job out of the bullpen. Chris Archer's hoping to rebound from his bad time in Pittsburgh and health Problems in Pittsburgh by going back to the Rays, who kind of needed some innings with Blake Snell gone. The Mets sign Albert Amora. I feel like this is going to be a thing where he couldn't hit with the Cubs. They got to give Brandon Nimmo a chance. And if Dominic Smith's going to play left field, Amora at least becomes a great fourth outfielder for this team. And the Red sign D. Gordon, a minor deal. So I don't know what they're doing there because they got a gluttony of infielder. You know, Hoshana Horiano, I mean, so the the longtime, you know, reliever, for the, the recent time Diamondbacks reliever and Mariners, he decided he's going to go back to Japan to his original team like Tanaka did. So I'm guessing he said, you know what? There's, a, there's not a market for me in the United States. The Braves signed Nate Jones, by the deal. If he's healthy, that'll help out their bullpen. The Astros signed Steve Chiswick. Maybe he'll have a rebound year after a bad year with the White Sox. Jake McGee, if he's healthy, that will help the Giants out. The um, lagar has gone to the Angels. So I'm guessing they're just building up on outfielders. Molina went back to the Cardinals because we all knew that was going to happen. Mike Fierce didn't have a huge market after snitching on the Astros and players not being a big fan of that. So I guess going back to the A's makes sense. The A's traded Chris Davis to the Rangers. And Elvis Andrews went to the A's because they needed a shortstop with Marcus Simeon gone and the Rangers to get themselves a Nugger Slugger. That's going to be interesting. Every all reports of the major league baseball season is going to start on time. And they're going to have pods in Grapefruit League on different coasts of Florida. So that's going to be interesting. They're also planning on changing the structure of the baseballs to control the home run rate. Because it's been a big deal with all the baseballs. They have a whole list of health and safety protocols. More math. More social distancing. All these other things that you're just going to have to do. That's interesting. And the Brewers signed Jordan Zimmerman Miley deal. They, they're they desperate for pitching. The Mets signed Jonathan Villar. So they get themselves a super utility player there. And the Marlins get a bat in Adam Duvall. For more baseball uh, information and signings, check out the baseball videos that are recorded every week on Friday on YouTube. And um, the... Um, now, Nick Cannon tested positive for COVID-19, so Nicy Nash is going to be filling in as a host, and I kind of wish that like they would just get rid of... Him as a whole as a host based on his comments he made about Drews and other people. So that's just another thing. And I forgot to mention the Chicago team saying they're months away from having fans, which is just not a great sign as well. And I do want to mention this. I tried this show Trickster, which was a Canadian-based show. And in this Canadian-based show, it's supposed to be coming a Supernatural throw based off a novel. But he sells drugs, his parents do drugs, and they're alcoholic, and they don't have their lives together. And he tried to support his family by selling drugs and working in a fast food place. They, they say it's a small town in Canada, indigenous, the Native Americans in there. Magical things happen, he sees things, so it's kind of odd there. His mom's a bad influence, kind of gets him into trouble a bit, you know. The question is, when he sells the drugs at the fast food place, are they giving money for both or what? And then his dad's life is a mess because he's got a woman pregnant. And his mom owes money a drug dealer. He's not sure if this woman he sees reels or not. And he's got one friend he hasn't hung out with in years. So it's, it's like okay. I can understand why they canceled it. But it's just a filler until, you know, all their shows come back. Now, for life, the way that season ended, no cliffhangers. They just basically told the story. He's out of prison and yada, yada, yada. Now, they decided to wait till episode number six to do a COVID-19 episode where we got the news report. Nurses, including his wife, Marie, going and being in there and then having to be negative and have masks and they try to go to the prison to see Jamal, the guy trying to get out who's his prison cell you know, roommate and their an issue because they're not giving the people in the prison masks. They're, the guards are not even wearing masks. They're, uh, they're, they're not taking care of people who could be sick because somebody passed away and they weren't really good about that. They're like there's less people coming in to work and they can't and when they try to talk to the people there's surveillance and they're only testing the guards on the prisoner which is not their system of mild goes to to the you know the medic place inside but the rest go in the hospital and then guards go i can't talk so they can't get information even though they know the woman who who used to be in charge of the warden and aaron wallace so that's interesting and then of course they got to bring the da who's annoying that was working with maskins and the other people He's got to try to negotiate with them and try to get the release of prisoners and let them walk the thing. And I'm just tired of that guy. And they're like, well, we're at the prisoners of 132, but then eventually came 34, but you got to give up one of your cases. And it's like, yep, yeah. the district attorney's office knew what they're doing by trying to get him there because he really wants to get these people out. The fact that they weren't being paid, given three meals, they're just throwing it all in at once was kind of inhumane. And the amount of cases that they're reporting is definitely a lie. And then they find out the guards are not doing what they're supposed to with the new warden. That's an issue. And it's seven more sick. They found out more and more sick in the infirmary because they had them in isolation. And that the number went up to 7.5, released to 15. They eventually got the 20%. And so it was nice to see how COVID affected people who obviously nurses. We've seen it in some of the medical shows I watch. And at the same time, I liked how, they're showing how it affects the people in prison. How yeah, they're horrible people, but we don't have just everybody dying. You want people to that committed crimes to actually be able to pay for their crimes and exactly what they're doing, because they should be able to if they have a life sign, life sentence prisons. They got to be there for 50 years, serve out your prison term. Don't just die because they're not going to take care of these people because they don't themselves don't care. Now when it comes to CW. I've kind of given them the benefit of the doubt, like, okay, fine, you remake Dynasty, I never watched it because it started a while ago. They restarted Charmed, and I said to myself, I don't see myself before I had the ability to record more than two shows. I'm going to go out of my way and watch Charm because I didn't watch the original, so I don't have any sort of attachment. And then they came out with Legacy, the spin-off, and I'm like, it's okay to do spin-offs because in, in a way, the shows of Legend, Tomorrow, and Flash are spin-offs of Arrow, and that's where you're like, okay, they could be spinoffs in that way, and Lois and Clark is, bench- is now being a spinoff, and Nancy Drew's a a spinoff, Katie Keene is a spinoff, they're going to make another Nancy Drew show that's a spinoff. I'm like, okay, I can accept that. But, so, Dynasty's in that soap opera thing that didn't have to remake, and Charms is an older sc- show that they didn't have to remake. They decided to go out and make Walker Texas Rangers with Jared Padalecki from Supernatural, and they're like, okay, let's bank on the success of the fact that Supernatural was their most longest-running show, one of the most popular shows. They had to stop their season, and fans were lucky to get a a quote-unquote another season to end 2020 because they weren't able to finish it. And they're like, that's why the ratings are high. And I'm like, they're like, okay, let's take advantage of the success of the ratings being high here, and uh, let's make a show with him. Even though he just finished that show, long-running show, he's making plenty of money from that. And that... The show is is somewhat like the other one where he's a Texas Ranger and he was away for a long time. Now, obviously, in the other one, he's a guy from the military background. This obviously, he does have a military background, but you don't obviously know it. You have to wait till it's mentioned later on in the first three episodes. And the whole thing is, Walker, Texas Ranger is based off one of the many films that Chuck Norris starred in where he was in this one playing a Texas Ranger where he's got martial arts. And they, you know... He beats bad guys with his martial arts. They don't, there's not a lot of deaths and alcohol and drug abuse and people dying and they're taking prisoners to, they take people away. The show had 200 episodes and eventually a TV movie. So I'm like, okay, movie, TV movie and 200 episodes, eight seasons of the show. Why do we need to have the show? I don't know. But yeah, and his thing is he may have got married, had love interest, had kids or whatever, but it wasn't like the focal point of the show. He didn't have his parents. He had, like, an uncle that was one of the main characters. And he had his own partner. And then he was, like, a former cop with somebody that he worked with. And, you know, the district attorney he works with. And there's all these other characters that he gets to work with. And they, then, obviously, they um, they add later on, new Walker new Texas Rangers for Walker to train. Now, obviously, his name is Cordell Walker. Of course, it's the same name, all the other things and that. Now the thing in this show, they're like, let's take, let's make it that when instead of him being coming back from, like the military he comes back after being undercover, his wife also passed away in the last year or so, and his kids have nowhere to go, so his kids are like an, a main, a main focus. And the kids are not bad, where there's none redeeming quality, because one's rebellious, one's like to stay in the house and not do anything, and that makes sense because mother's been gone for a couple of years, a so father's away for a year or two, so it's like. Of course, they're gonna do different, they're gonna have different reactions and stuff, and then of course, like okay. So, in that show, he had an African American partner, and I was like, okay, that was pretty progressive back then in the 90s. Kobe Bell of uh, Third Watch, Smart Guy, The Gifted, and many, 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 many other shows, he's you know, he's playing his f- partner, but instead of being the partner currently, he had promotion while you know, Walker's back. So you got to deal with, okay, fine, my former partner is my boss, and he's not my partner, and they pair me up with a woman who's a state trooper who's trying to make it for himself as a Texas Ranger, and they're making her Hispanic American. There's nothing wrong, because so far her character's been pretty badass, and she, you know, can handle perps and take down perps, and she's pretty smart, so she, like, deserves to have the job, but I feel like his former partner is trying to make it harder on him. And I do like that Mitch Pelleggi of of X-Files and Stargate Atlantis and recently of Supergirl and other shows is playing his father. He owns like a ranch and they're taking care of the kids and you got his father to lead on. You got the mother who people have seen in other things, Molly, you know, Molly Hagan who's been in a bunch of stuff. They're like the support system and it makes sense because he had kids and nobody watched them. Then he's got a brother who's the the district, uh, you know, assistant district attorney office and there was a district attorney officer in the other show and so they got this one And his brother's an important part to the show. But then they mention that he's got a fiancé. And it's like, okay, that's fine. But it's, like, not that important to the premise of the show. So take away from that. And then all the flashbacks are not of him in the military. It's about his wife who passed away. And there's questions about how she died and what's going on. And you're saying to yourself, okay, that is interesting enough. And, of course, it's his real-life wife. But that stuff detracts on the show. The children's issues where one's rebellious, one's reclusive. Got his brother and him have issues, his parents and all the other stuff. His former partner being his boss, his new partner he's got to deal with. All of these things are just a lot that's going on. And then they're like, okay, have his partner's boy, her boyfriend come to town. Let's have the woman who runs the bar and him have some sort of super interesting relationship in the future. And all these other things. And I'm just like, are they going to get it right that towards the end of the season, the writing's going to get better and they're going to fill out a balance between family... You know what's going on in his head, personal and and work, all into a show. Because I know they got a, they're trying to fill an hour, a lot of days in TV show, and they some people cannot come up with enough content for an hour. But there's too many detractors in the show, and even though because all over, I want to see him taking down bad guys, I want to see him solving crime. I just want to see interesting things. out oh, if there's no you know, Bruce, you know Chuck Norris type of martial arts thing, that's fine. Just another procedural cop show. I'm okay with that. But so far, it's too much of the stuff going on. I do like Mitch Pilecki, Kobe Bell, and the other actors in the show. They're good supporting cast, but it takes away too much. Now, the CW skipped ordering a pilot. They just said it's going to straight to series because they just wanted to come to series because they really wanted to bank on the success of the CW show. And that they said, okay, let's do this. And then they said, you know what? We're going to give it five episodes, even though it just started. So instead of getting 13, they got 18. You know what? That's fine. Because that means they really want to do well. And I'm gonna say this, the ratings are only good because he was on Supernatural for all those years and people know him. They're familiar with the idea of Walker Tucker's Ranger. But then they decide, you know what? They've renewed it for a second season, like after three episodes. Like that's kinda of too early. It's not the greatest show I ever watched. It did not to be renewed right away. But knowing but the CW, as I've said, that I'll touch on next week, and they just renewed everything, and that's just what it is. So I'm going to give it a chance to over one season to see how it works and then into the second season. But overall, it's not the world's greatest show and I don't understand um, the quickness to, to renew it when it's been okay. My my personal opinion of it, you know, my personal opinion of it being renewed is more because of what CW does more than anything else. Now, for all the people who passed away, the sports reporters, the musicians... The actors, the former football players, coaches, and baseball players, everybody who I mentioned in my podcast today who passed away, I just want to say rest in peace to all of them. And the last thing I want to say is Derek Rose did get traded to the Knicks for Dennis Smith, so the whole him going to the G League is not going to happen, and Derek Rose is going to win number four. Remember, On the Radar, wherever you get your podcast, On the Radar on YouTube for videos, On the Radar Entertainment Blog on Facebook. Radar four four two eight to follow me on Twitter and Blogger and on the Radar Media my website. Thanks for listening to episode number sixty eight. For on the Radar, I'm Radar. See you guys next time.